Hello, this is Pastor Luke, and you are listening to the Living Hope Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy this week's sermon. Our mission is to grow disciples and multiply churches who will glorify God and transform communities. For more information about our church, please visit our website at livinghopehenderson.com. Heavenly Father, we thank you for an amazing week. God, what a remarkable privilege uh, on our part uh, to be entrusted with so many kids, to be able to uh, create just a good, safe space, and to be able to, to share your gospel in fun and creative ways. And Lord, for the, these kids who, who heard your truth, Lord, I pray that that would stick with them for the rest of their lives. Lord, we just we just pray a protection and uh, covering over that truth in their lives, Lord. And for the volunteers who gave so much, God, we know that, uh, that there are rich rewards, but Lord, we thank you. Uh, we thank you so much for all their involvement. I ask that you would refresh them and restore them. And uh, Lord, we look forward to doing it again. And God, this morning, as we continue to, to worship and to open up your word, Father, that it would be uh, by your spirit and by your word that you would be speaking to each one of us as we continue to explore scripture. Lord, we worship you and we love you. In your name, amen. Zach, if you would pull up that first part, I would invite you to, uh, to, to say this with me, uh, the Lord's Prayer. Join me in this. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. So for me growing up, we did that prayer every single Sunday. Grew up in a Methodist church, slightly more liturgical feel, and so every Sunday there would be a part where the pastor would pray, and then um, in the bulletin there was a a printed prayer that that he had written up, and so we would read that together, and then we would always conclude with the Lord's Prayer, and that's the version of it, kind of a a King James version of it, and uh, and so that was every Wednesday. Now it's, or not every Wednesday, every Sunday. Now, so, so for us here, like, we, we very intentionally have uh, a very simple service that focuses on musical worship and preaching out of the Bible, right? Um, at, but I will admit that, that there is value in, in, like, something like that where you say it every week and just getting that hammered into your memory so that it's just, it's just like, ingrained in the back of your eyelids, right? Like, you can just, you know, like, it just flows off the tongue. Of course, the danger is that you do it without thinking, but the benefit is just that it's, it's there for the rest of your life, right? Lord's Prayer is very famous. Uh, you hear it a lot. You see it a lot. Uh, I'm assuming that most of you are, are familiar with it in some capacity. In Scripture, we have two accounts of it. Matthew records um, a, a, a version of the Lord's Prayer, and then Luke also records a version of it. Matthew's is longer, so we tend to, people uh, typically... Uh, reference Matthew's account of the Lord's Prayer, uh, but we are going through a Bible study in Luke, and so um, we're looking at how Luke records it. And Luke records it this way, uh, starting in chapter 11, verse 1. 
Now Jesus was praying in a certain place, and when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, as John taught his disciples. And he said to them, When you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread. And forgive us our sins. For we ourselves forgive everyone who is indebted to us. And lead us not to temptation. So you, you can tell that that's kind of a little bit of a toned-down version of, of what Matthew recorded. Um, Luke was one of four authors to record the life of Jesus, right? Uh, so in the Gospels, we have Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Um, and, and Luke was one of them. Uh, Luke was a doctor. He traveled with Paul for quite some time with his ministry. Uh, his writing is very detailed. It's very precise. He uses good grammar. Uh, Luke was a smart, educated, detailed person like this is the guy that you want operate on your leg, doing your taxes, that kind of thing, right? Like, just very, very meticulous. Um, and so then here we have, uh, you know, the Lord's Prayer. Now, it's interesting because we've actually nicknamed it the Lord's Prayer, but that can be actually misleading because they think that Jesus himself probably didn't use this prayer or this exact version because in this prayer he says, forgive us our sins. Well, Jesus didn't sin. Right? So Jesus didn't use this exact version. Maybe he pulled out some of the ideas. But this is what Jesus was teaching his disciples to pray. So this, this is what, so we call it the Lord's Prayer not so much because he used it, but because he taught it. Um, and, and this is what he wanted us to pray. And this has incredible value uh, if we want to recite it, word for word. And everyone, I think, should know the Lord's Prayer. But there's also incredible power as a pattern prayer because as you go through it, each line has a different and distinct topic. And so we can actually use the, this outline, these ideas, these concepts, uh, as a pattern to form our prayers. So this past week we, we had VBS, and uh, I hope you were here sometime this week to see all the decorate. Like, it looks totally different, right? Like, the hallway alone throws me off because there's not stuff all over, right? Um, the decorations were, were amazing. Um, we had the final program on Friday night. It was a great week. I, I hope you got to see and experience some of that. Uh, but one of the things that we talked about, and, and you saw it in, in the main points, is how God wants relationship with each and every one of us. And so, you know, the five themes were that God loves you no matter what, uh, that God is with you everywhere, that God is in charge, uh, that God is stronger than anything, and that God is surprising. And all these attributes, we want these kids to know and embrace. What I find fascinating, though, is that, that those attributes are really timeless and good for all ages. Like, I could literally take all those ideas, repackage them in some kind of trendy adult Bible study, and it would be perfectly applicable for you, right? Like, timeless idea, they were just packaged for kids, but if I just, you know, change the cover, fantastic truths for all of us, for all ages, so this week I was working on the sermon and working on the Lord's Prayer and had done a bunch of research and written up some components and had stuff written out. And I mean, there's a lot of stuff out there on the Lord's Prayer. Um, but at the same time, it just didn't click, right? Like normally, the, you know, because you, you look at a passage and it's like, Lord, there's a dozen ways that we could go with this, right? Like, like what direction for our people for this weekend from this scripture, Lord, Lord, what's the message uh, and I can normally kind of feel it click in my spirit, you know, when, when there's a sense of like, okay, this is the direction that, that we need to go. 
and, uh, and just wasn't getting there. And then I thought, you know what? I wonder if there's any correlation between the Lord's Prayer, where we're at as we go through the book of Luke, and, and with these themes that we have just gone through in VBS. Like, I wonder if there's any overlap at all between these ideas. The thing that we learned uh, on Monday was that God loves you no matter what. It's a big statement, really. It is. Um, it doesn't matter what sins I've committed. It doesn't matter who my parents, whether they were good people or bad people. It doesn't matter if I've made mistakes. God loves you and I no matter what. When Jesus was teaching his disciples to pray, he begins with this word. Father. Father. He could have gone with Master. He could have gone with Savior. He could have gone with like Grand Exalted Supreme One. He could have gone with boss. He could have gone with perfect one. All these different options. He opted to go father. And I love that, he, that, that, that the Lord's prayer begins with father. Some of us have heard this prayer so often we take that for granted. To have a God who desires, who teaches, who instructs that we are to call him father. To have a God who uses that parent-child relationship to describe the kind of relationship that he wants to have with us. I mean, it's astounding, right? In, in a healthy father-child relationship is one where you have love and support, you have protection, at times you have discipline, you have someone that you look up to, right? Someone you want to be like. You also have someone who loves you, right? Not because of your accomplishments, because at age four they are few, but who loves you simply because they are your son or your daughter. That is, that is what God wants you to envision when you use the word father. Every time you repeat the Lord's prayer, that first word father should remind you that God loves you no matter what. Day two, we learned that God is with you everywhere. Uh, I remember many years ago, it was part of a missions trip to India. And I remember at one point getting a little bit anxious because I remember thinking, literally the furthest from home I could be. I'm literally on the other side. Right? Like beyond this, I need to be traveling in space or something, right? Like, like, like this, is, this is as far as I can get, and, and starting to get a little bit anxious with that, and having to remind myself, God is with me, this is okay, he is here too, he wants me to do this, you know, it's going to be all right. When Jesus taught his disciples to pray, he included the phrase, give us each day our daily bread. Both of these concepts have, have this idea that God is always with us, just that daily continual, never-ending presence of God. Lord, every day I need your help. Every day, Lord, give me enough bread for that day. Now, I will also say that part of this I find a bit difficult, right? Because if I had enough choice between bread for today and, say, bread for the next three weeks, I'll normally take the three-week option, right? Like I'm used to Sam's Club and Costco and pension plans and buying in bulk 
and saving for the future and planning ahead and prepare for hard times and that kind of thing, right? Like, part of me, that is just how I'm wired. Uh, and part of that is just, I think there's good wisdom in that. But this prayer doesn't say that. This prayer says, Lord, please give me the provision that we need just for today. And tomorrow I will trust you again for that day. And no matter where you're at, my prayer is, Lord, I need you today. Please take care of me today. Because here's the thing about daily bread is that you have to ask for it tomorrow. Right? Like you have to trust again tomorrow. Because if I had a three-week supply of bread, tomorrow I'm not going to bother to ask or to rely or to trust on God. Come tomorrow, I'll just say, I'm good. I've got bread. Why do I need God? And, and, you know, there's space for personal responsibility and all this, yes. But the idea that God wants you to embrace is that wherever you are in whatever stage of life, that we look to God daily in everything, everywhere. And that, and that this is a God that is willing to meet with you every day, anywhere in the world. And, and I think why he... He encourages us to ask for daily bread is because tomorrow we come back again and we say, Lord, I trust you for today. And tomorrow, again, we say, Lord, I trust you for today. On the third day, we learn that God is in charge. When Jesus was teaching his disciples to pray, he told them to say, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. To be hallowed is to receive honor, to receive glory, right? And, and name is, is kind of the embodiment of who God is and, and his, his identity and his reputation. And so this desire for God to be glorified. And there's this amazing overlap and intertwining of both being in charge and being glorified and these, these, these interwoven attributes of God that he is in charge. And connected to that, he is glorified. And do we glorify him because he's in charge? I, you know, I mean, but he is, he is both, completely. And, we pray, and when we pray, Father, hallowed be your name, it's not so much kind of that we're hoping that this will happen, but we're acknowledging an eternal reality that the truth is that God is glorified, that he has been glorified, that he is being glorified, that he will be glorified. I mean, really, our, our just the, the one hope, or not even the hope, is just the recognition that one day that when he comes again and all humanity will glorify God as they should. Matthew gives us this slightly longer version, your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. And I understand that to, to be that, you know, that, that God's kingdom is something that, that has already come partly, but it's going to come fully and completely when Jesus returns. We, we see bits and pieces of it in our world today, but... At the same time, we recognize the brokenness and the sin and the corruption around us. There are desires that God's will would be done and that his will would be accomplished and that in that, that God's kingdom is expanding. And honestly, this phrase has become one of my favorite when I don't know how to pray. Like when I'm just, I'm just not even sure what to go with this and, and it's a mess, you know, I just, Lord, your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. Whatever that looks like, I pray for that. Your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. God is in charge, and he's being glorified. Day four, we learn that God is stronger than anything. 
When Jesus was teaching his disciples to pray, he told them, Forgive us our sins, for we ourselves forgive everyone who is indebted to us. When Jesus was on earth, he would sometimes forgive people's sins. And the religious leaders would get upset, and they would be like, Hey, who has the power to forgive sins except God? Well, yeah, they were right. No one has the power to forgive sins except God. No one, right? So a, a sin is an offense or a wrong that is committed, right, against someone, right? So if I, if I uh, committed an offense against Joanne, right, then I've sinned against Joanne. I've wronged her. I've hurt her. Because of that, only Joanne can forgive me for the wrong that I've committed against her. Well, our, our default nature is so wrecked that every day we commit sins and offenses and wrongs against God. And so only God can forgive us of our sins. But God is a just God, full of justice. And so sin requires payment or restitution of some kind. So what do you do? Right? Because you and I have incurred this debt, this sin, against God that we can't pay back. We're in over our heads on this one. So that's where Jesus comes in. Right? Jesus comes to earth. He's a perfect person. He is God. He dies in our place and in doing so pays our debt, our, our bill. And so here's how this works. You and I have this debt to God. Who pays it? Well, either I can pay it and in doing so I choose hell. I choose separation from God for eternity and I receive the reward and the justice for my sin. Or... I can accept Jesus' offer to pay my debt, which he does by dying on the cross, and now I can have a restored relationship with God both on earth and in heaven. When Jesus forgave our sins, or offered to forgive our sins, he demonstrated that he's stronger than anything. Right? Because who can forgive sins except God? Well, no one. Only God can. God is stronger than our sin. God is stronger than life. God is stronger than death. God is stronger than anything. On the last day of VBS, we learned that God is surprising. I rather enjoyed that one. That's an attribute of God we often don't dwell on. When Jesus taught his disciples to pray, he taught them to say, lead us not into temptation. Uh, that phrase can be a, a little bit confusing. Uh, later on in the book of James, James tells us that God cannot lead us into temptation. It's our own sinful nature that draws us into temptation. Uh, so perhaps another way to understand this would be, Lord, keep us safe from temptation. If you will give your life to Jesus, I think it will surprise you at how often you find him helping you, protecting you, taking care of you, shielding you. And I'm convinced that we don't even know the half of it when it comes to all the ways that God keeps us safe, protects us. Um, there was a girl on my trek team, and she went, made the comment that when she gets to heaven, she wants to watch a videotape of her life, but one where she can see the spiritual warfare going on in the background that she never knew about. Well, that would probably be a pretty good video. Again, there, there is responsibility on our part, but I think you will find yourself surprised at how often you sense God leading and guiding and protecting and keeping you free from temptation. The most important thing that you can do with your life is give it to Jesus. That will affect everything about how you live life on earth, and that will affect everything about eternity for you. But I would offer that the second most important thing that we can do with our life is to teach our children 
to give their lives to Jesus. I think that moms have a heart for their children in a way that only they can know. A heart to nurture, a heart to care, a heart to grow. And dads as well. I think we love our kids, but also in a way that's unique to us. Because I think for dads, there's this desire for legacy that only a dad can understand. We want to leave an impact on this world somehow. Some choose career, and, and, but I think in the Christian home, much of that is through our children. What I find fascinating is that both of those are fulfilled when we help our kids give their life to Jesus. Parents, when your kid gives their life to Jesus, you are literally impacting generations. Many, many generations. If your kids know and love Jesus, someday there will be a reunion in heaven. Hundreds? Thousands? Family members? Descendants? Your family that you help bring there by by teaching your kids to know and love and follow Jesus. Lord's Prayer is a fantastic prayer. And we should all know it. God wants to be your father. And also wants to be the father to your children. To their children. Your children's children. And one of the best things that we can do with our lives is help to see that happen. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for a great week. Lord, more than that, we thank you for you. For who you are, we give you honor and praise. Our desire is that your name would be glorified. Your name would be glorified in our life and that your name would be glorified in the, in the lives of our children and our children's children and their children after them. Lord, I pray for each person here, Lord, that they would be the, the, the grandparents, the great-grandparents, the forefathers to generations upon generations of people who know you and love you and follow you. And for each person here, there will be a great family reunion in heaven. Lord, you are beautiful. Lord, we love you and we trust you. We say that we trust you. In your name, amen. Thanks so much for listening to this week's sermon. We hope you were enriched and encouraged. If you have any questions about Christ or church or would like more information, visit our website at livinghopehenderson.com or email me directly at luke at livinghopehenderson.com. We hope you have a fantastic week. Take care and God bless.